Hey, I'm Bob Runkle, and for as long as I can remember, I've loved pop culture. Despite the challenges I've faced in my life, pop culture has always been there for me. I love talking to people and being a platform for others to share their thoughts and stories. Because if there's one thing I never get tired of, it's seeing driven, talented, and inspiring individuals follow their dreams, no matter what obstacles are in their way. And I know a thing or two about that. Welcome to the DJ Bob Show. I'm DJ Bob. The DJ Bob Show. Pop culture, past and present. And now, here's your host, DJ Bob. Sometimes in tragedy, we use art for healing. That's exactly what our next guest did. On September 23rd, 2001, Christy Jackson wrote a song called Little Did She Know She'd Kissed a Hero. On September 26th, Christy recorded a work tape of that very song. On October 8th, a radio station in Greensboro, North Carolina played the work tape. On October 15th, over 200 radio stations had downloaded the song. And by November 1st, it was the number one most requested song on the largest radio station in New York City, WPLJ, and continued to dominate charts in New York and major radio markets. 21 years later, Christy Jackson is here with us, sharing the story of the song, the impact, and just has a meaningful conversation with me. We will never forget that tragic day. Remembering September 11th, 2001. Thank you. He found some socks. She chose his tie. And when he left for work that morning, he was just another guy going to work. He'd have to fly out to a meeting in L.A. So she had kissed him twice goodbye. Little did she know she'd kissed a hero. Though he'd always been one in her eyes. But when faced with certain death, he'd said a prayer and took a breath and led an army of true angels in the sky. Little did she know she'd kissed a hero, though he'd always been an angel in her eyes. Putting others first, it's true, that's what heroes always do, and now he does to fly The phone had rung His voice was calm Before he could tell her anything She knew something was wrong I love you so 
last words he said. She said, "I love you too," and then the phone went dead. Little did she know she'd kissed a hero, though he'd always been one in her eyes. But when faced with certain death, he'd said a prayer and took a breath and led an army of true angels in the sky. Little did she know she'd kissed a hero. Though he'd always been an angel in her eyes, putting others first—it's true. That's what heroes always do. And now he doesn't need a pair of wings to fly. Now he doesn't need a pair of wings to fly. Thank you so much for joining me today, and this is such an interesting story and an interesting song at a time when word of mouth and like people really needed this at a time when people didn't know how to react to things. So, would you mind introducing yourself and kind of sharing? The story of this song. Certainly, um, my name is Christy Jackson. I am a singer-songwriter uh, from North Carolina, and that is how I've made my living for all my life. And writing is my outlet. It is how I process uh, good things. It's how I process sad things. And um, in late September of two thousand one, I was in. Uh, I had commuted to Nashville. I did that once a month uh, back years ago, and I would co-write when I was in town. But I was in my uh, my condo by myself, and um, I hadn't I hadn't had time to process 9/11. This was the last weekend of September, um, but it was the weekend that they decided they would start radio would start broadcasting the phone calls from Flight 93, and so the whole way down to as I'm driving to Nashville, I'm seeing hearing these phone calls, and it was it was devastating. I just, I mean, it just I thought that could have been me and my husband any morning, you know, just saying goodbye and not thinking twice about the day and thinking it's going to be an ordinary day. And as all of us have, you know, come to find out, it was anything but ordinary. So I got to my condo in Nashville and. Anyway, so I was just started, you know, noodling around and, and playing some, some, you know, just some music. And I just started really thinking about this could have been anybody. And I just envisioned this little couple, you know, just, you know, getting up in the mornings and getting, you know, their day started just like, like I said, like my husband and I did. And, and then how it evolved and it just literally you know songs sometimes are really interesting sometimes you really have to work at them and then other times they really do write themselves I know that sounds so woo woo but it, it's true they really do write themselves 
But it also came from a place. So with something like that, it almost seems natural that it would come so quick to you. Because everybody was so emotionally charged at the time. Exactly. Exactly. And so it was really written in 45 minutes. It was finished. And um, I played it for my roommates and they were just in tears. And uh, I cried after I wrote it just because it was such an outlet for me. Because as as I said, I had never, I hadn't grieved really about 9-11 myself, you know. So it was just, you know, it was hard. So we, um, I, I called a friend and said he had a studio. And I said, before I forget this, is there any way, you know, do you have any time in your studio I can run and just throw that, throw this keyboard vocal down so I have it? And he said, sure. So I went over to Cliff Goldmacher's studio in Nashville, Tennessee, and we set it up. I ran through it. It was one take. It, it's still a hard song to sing at times. And um, it was hard just even getting this little work tape down. And uh, I remember I turned to Cliff and I said, um, how much do I owe you for today? And he said, when you make the engineer cry, you don't owe a thing, <laughs> which was very sweet and very kind. So so I had this little, you know, work tape. And um, so I got home to Greensboro and I contacted um, a friend of mine who was working at a local radio station, but I contacted her mainly because she is an amazing vocalist. And I thought I need a really good voice on this song for the demo. Well, she took my demo and she gave it to the morning DJ. And back in the day, morning DJs were actually still the only DJs who could, who programmed their own shows, everything else, you know, was, you know, was, was consistently, you know, dictated by the owners, the radio stations, who knows. But the morning guys had a lot of freedom, apparently. I'm, I just found that out. But um, so he played it on the radio and it was the work tape. I mean, it was one take, I'm pitchy. I mean, it's just, you know, but he put it on the radio and he said his phones just lit up. So then he put it on a tip sheet for other morning disc jockeys and said, hey, just want to tell you, I played this. It's really gotten a remarkable response. You might want to spin it. So that is how this thing got started. I don't have a promotion team. <laughs> it was completely all word of mouth. Um, it was just, and it blew up. I mean, it just, it went it just went wild. I mean, this was way before things could go viral because the internet wasn't really even happening. The internet was really in a infancy. And what amazes me about the story is most of the radio stations that played it were, they weren't owned by major market corporations. And it was very local stuff. But at the same time, everybody needed this outlet, and your song was just what people needed. Well, it was the only way I can explain it is I got a, I got so many emails and um, so many so many emails. I ended up putting them in in a book of sorts, mainly mainly for my children, and I that was a lot of the reaction was just I needed to cry. I couldn't cry. 
I heard your song and I cried. And, and it was like, thank you for giving me permission to cry. And I mean, I got letters from police, policemen and firefighters and, you know, vets and, and soldiers. And they were all like, you know, they were, these are all tough guys, you know, they're very brave. And this, I'll never forget this one police officer. He described, he said, I've witnessed, and he wrote a litany of the most horrific scenes that he had witnessed in his career. And he said, I have never cried. He said, but I'm on the side of the road right now and I'm crying because I heard your song and I can't drive. And I was like, oh my God. I mean, so it was just, it was, it was amazing. And um, we just, I, I mean, it was just amazing. And I answered every email, every single email personally, because I I felt that was the only way to honor it. I mean, they were telling me very personal stories and many of them did lose family and friends in the towers um we you know i heard from the pilot from one of the pilots or uh he well he was a pilot he was not obviously on flight 93 but he knew the pilots and i mean it was just it was amazing and like i said it was all word of mouth as people were just they just kept talking about it. And it. we ended up, a friend of mine finally said, you know, you need to press a CD. People want this song. And I'm like, what? And she said, you need to press a CD. So I pressed a single CD. And eventually that's that became how we knew where the song was being played because we would get orders. You know, so all of a sudden we would get orders from um, Las Vegas, you know, San Antonio, um, you know, New York, um, Miami, I mean, all over the world. And we ended up selling to selling CDs. I say we, it was me and a bunch of girlfriends. <laughs> My kids would help me sign the sick. They would pull, push the CDs to me. Uh, they would open the cover, push the CD to me. I would autograph it. And then the other one would close it. And that was our factory. <laughs> but um, we ended up selling CDs in every state of the United States in 17 countries. That is... so, I mean, it, it was, it was just, I mean, things like that don't happen. You know, it's just, it was, it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. That song is literally an earmark to what people were feeling. Like when we got on this call, I told you that I was six years old when I first heard it because Long Island was a big air, airplay was huge here. I mean, you had WALK carrying it and BLI carrying it. I know. And it was something. It was crazy. That's how you, that's how I heard it. And it's interesting to me at a time pre-social media, how an independent artist could just blow up like that. <laughs> it was, well, and I was still a songwriter. I had no, I mean, I was in my late 30s. I had no, <laughs> no um, illusion of being, an, you know, an artist. I mean, I have been a singer-songwriter all my life, but I mean, I had made my living getting cuts from, you know, artists who were, musical artists so you know to have the songwriter's voice on the 
demo is is um and eventually the song is very rare and but and my voice as you can hear is not you know it's not a clear crisp tone <laughs> it's a little little gravelly a little scratchy but um that's that's my voice but um it it, it was very interesting because it it did it just for whatever reason it spoke to people maybe because it did sound average you know it it didn't sound you know, perfect. And maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe that's what, you know, was another aspect of the song that spoke to him. I'll never know because it was just one of those absolutely wild anomalies that happens in, in life. And I'll, I'll never understand other than the fact that at the time, this little song spoke to an awful lot of people. And, um, I remember one of my favorite memories too, is, um, I started getting, and I cannot remember her name. So, um, I'll make up a name, but all of a sudden I was getting, um, I got an email from a little boy and it said, hi, my name is Bobby. And my name, and my favorite line of the song is he won't, he won't need wings to fly. And I, you know, of course I, like I said, I wrote, I wrote everyone. I responded to every email. So I wrote back. I thought that was very, he said, I think that means he's in heaven. And I said, wow, that's, that's really interesting and that's beautiful and I you I bet he is you know and then then I got another letter hi my name is Susie I'm in Mrs. you know Miller's first grade class or what I mean but it was like all of a sudden I got like 16 emails from students in this one woman's class and all of a sudden I got an email from like Mrs. Miller and she's she said I I'm so sorry. She said, I had no idea you were going to write the children back. And um, I know you're very busy. And she was just precious. And she said, I just wanted you to know that I'm using your song as a grieving tool for the kids. And, oh, talk about just, oof, you know, tear your heart out, <laughs> tear your heart out and just weep. I mean, I was so, I mean, are you honored for that? Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm honored. I was I was I was glad it was helpful because I can't imagine being a teacher looking at those little faces and having really having to help children process. And she was and they were in a classroom in like New Jersey and they watched the towers burn from across the river. So, <sighs> I mean, it was just like, what? So, wow. Yeah. I mean, it was just amazing. Absolutely amazing. She like that, that just it. Even at the young age I was, I was, I was a radio nerd. I still am. And, <laughs> and hearing this stuff, whether it be your song or all the tributes, everybody really took care of us, even if it was on the other end of the speaker, including you. Oh. And so we kind of alluded to this, but Long Island was such a big place for the song to be played. What are your memories of playing at National Coliseum at Winter Gym? I was supposed to go to that, but I got sick. Really? I was, um, I, I just remember all the firemen because I got to play the song and I was flanked, you know, from left to right with my piano, you know, piano and me and then just firemen everywhere you looked and first responders, you know, on either side. And I just remember all, I don't even remember. I think I remember Mandy Moore, I think 
and Jessica Simpson was on the bill. That's all I remember. And then I just remember all the firemen. And then I remember when I got to, when I was finished, I went around to the back of the stadium so I could watch the rest of the show. And I had, the police were like barricading me. And I was I was like, excuse me. And then and they and they were like, no, no, Miss Jackson, you you need to stay here. And I was like, okay. And it was because people all of a sudden turned around and they saw me and they wanted to talk to me. And and they and the police people, I don't know what they thought they were going to do, but they were um they kind of, you know, kept kind of kept me at bay and just very carefully let people kind of come towards me and but it was a little overwhelming because it was like I just I just sang my song <laughs> no there's somebody big on stage you need to turn around <laughs> but um but they were they it was it was that was a little bit surreal you know and it was real sweet but yeah I really do I remember just being on stage and being with all those firemen and all the first responders and the police officers and and it was just such a sweet sweet experience it was awesome it was awesome. As much as 9-11 was and still is a sad time, I, I even, even at my age, like, I've never seen as much of a community <sighs> moment than yeah. after 9-11. Yeah, I agree. That was the last time I saw it, too, because I haven't seen it since. <laughs> But you're exactly right. There was there. I mean, talk about a country united. It was amazing. And we were all caring for each other and sensitive of each other and empathizing with each other. It was just it was a different world, wasn't it? Yeah. And I feel as though when people talk about 9-11 now, it's always sort of, you know, sad and somber but there's also this this underlying theme of like how pop culture and how the media was so was so they took care of every story with kid gloves they did i think i do i believe people tried I, they just like i said everyone was so sensitive and well i think they just we all you know, we all understood the horror of what had happened and the families that had been affected. And I mean, how could you not? You'd have to be a stone to not, you know, be impacted by what had happened. No and matter I, where you are. Exactly. I mean, we, everyone, if nothing else, we all like embraced our, each other's humanity. And I don't think we really do that a lot anymore. Every We've all picked sides and it's just, it breaks my heart to a certain extent because it wasn't that way after 9-11. We yeah. all embraced each other's humanity and accepted each other's humanity. It was wonderful. It was and, wonderful. And I, the reason why I reached out to you is not only because of the impact of the song for me, just because a lot of people that, aren't in the areas that played it didn't get to hear this and it need it, i needed to shed some light on it because it impacted me so much oh 
Well, I'm I'm honored and, and pleased that it touched you. I'm glad you, I mean, I'm happy that it touched you in a positive way and didn't just lead you into a dark, you know, dark hole and that you knew that there was, you know, there was some positivity in that. And they don't leave, need wings to fly. I believe they are you know, are, are okay. And they're, they're not here, but I believe they're with God and I believe they are healed. And that's just the way I believe, you know, but I believe it. So I hope people can take comfort from that because that was what the line of that song was about, you know. So how do you feel when you listen to it now? Um, I still have a hard time with it. Um, I do. I'm people used to make fun of me because I would they were like, why don't you open your eyes when you because I typically sing the song with my eyes closed. And um it's because I can't. If I see people's reactions, I'll lose it. And you're I just gonna ball, yeah. Oh yeah, I will lose it in a minute. And um and it's um it's it it's a hard song to get through, you know, it's because I go right back to where I was, you know, at 9-11, 2000. I mean, I go right back, you know, it just doesn't, it just it doesn't seem like time is, I can't believe it's been over 20 years. It's just, it's amazing to me. But yeah, so um, I don't look into the audience very much when I'm singing this song. It's just, that's, that's hard because like I said, if I see it impacting them, then, then I'll, I'll lose it and I won't be able to finish the song. You know, I saw a video of you performing it years and years back, and the whole crowd of that little house concert, I believe it was, mm. was stunned silent. Mm. And, like, that has to be, like, sort of a crazy feeling for you that you could create that response for people well i think i probably had a little help <laughs> you know i always think that you know i really do think the i mean there there are differences when you're writing a song sometimes i can write a song and i feel like really anybody could write it because you you might as well have a rhyming dictionary in your lap and then there are other songs that if you are quiet or if you are you know just thoughtful the words just come. And I really believe that is God speaking to your heart and your soul. And I think that's where the songs come from. I truly do. And so not all my songs are poignant or sweet or sad. I mean, I've written, you know, songs that other people just love. And I'm like, well, okay, <laughs> glad you enjoy it. <laughs> but I mean, they're not like, they're not like deep songs. They're not songs that I feel like came from that place in my soul that I get a little help with when I'm writing, you know, because I mean, I, I know how to write a song, boom, I can, you know, that's not a problem. But when the songs come from that, just, they just can come from a deeper place and they just, they just come out. And I feel like, yeah, I probably got a little help from that from above <laughs> because I just think that's where the really good, soulful, sweet, you know, heartfelt songs. I really think that's kind of where they come from. I think they're little presents, you know, and I think this was definitely a gift. You know, I, I think I've done interviews where I said, you know, I just feel like I held the pen. 
I was the lucky one to hold the pen, but you know, I had a little help writing it. And I'm I'm so glad that you put it out into the world. As crazy as the release of it was, it impacted the world. And what I want to talk to you about specifically, we've alluded to different radio stations and whatnot, but I want to talk about radio's response to the song. What were some of the comments that you heard? Oh, that was that was nuts. <laughs> um, I actually have some of those. Yeah, I have some of those in the book for Rob Miller, W A L K. Hey, yes. Yeah, you know them. He wrote me. Um, There's no paper in my fax. Now this will show you how old this was. There's no paper in my fax machine, and my email inbox is all jammed up. And the phones are ringing off the wall. There isn't a dry eye on Long, on Long Island. This song reminds us never to take anything for granted, to tell your family how much you love them every day. It is giving us strength to overcome the grief and to hope that through our unity, we will make the world a better place. And that yeah. was from Rob Miller at Walk. Isn't that something? And then Scott Shannon, WPLJ. Legend, York. yeah. Yeah, he had written, Christie's song has definitely struck a chord in New York. It's the most requested song on PLJ by a two and one, by a two dash one margin, more requested than Britney Spears, Jennifer Lopez, NSYNC, Destiny's Child, and the Backstreet Boys. It's like, oh my gosh. And then Barb Richards at WAJI in Fort Wayne, Indiana wrote, can't keep up with the requests. Someone told me to issue a tissue alert before we play it. You've really touched people. And then, I mean, it just goes on. It was so, I've got some lovely, lovely. And then I've got San Diego, you know, Cincinnati, Atlanta manager. And then in um, November of 2001, it hit Australia. And over the Thanksgiving weekend, I got over 400 emails. Of people going. Now, how did that happen? Well, it, it word of mouth again. Um, uh, a gentleman named John Laws, who was, you know, back day, we didn't have all sorts of different news, you know, identities. We didn't have, you know, Fox, CNN. We had Walter Cronkite, you know, <laughs> that was it. We had one voice and everybody watched, you know, one voice. Well, John Laws, what I understand him to be, he was like the Walter Cronkite of australia wow so you know whatever john law said boom you know that's the way it was well and i don't know how he got it or how he heard it but he played it and australia new zealand i mean i got like i said i got 400 emails um from australia I'm, i'll never forget it because it was over thanksgiving weekend and my husband kept saying are you going to answer emails all weekend and i said yeah i think i am because I, I mean, look, they're still coming in, you know, so, and once again, they were so sweet and they were like, you know, we, we are so with you, you know, America, you have our heart, America. I mean, it was so kind and so precious and they were embracing us and they were, they were with us. I mean, their hearts were broken too. So it, it was just amazing. Absolutely amazing. It's really the power of social media, free social media. Yeah, pre-social media, exactly. Exactly. So now fast forward, when social media comes into play, how are the responses now? Like how often do you get responses such as mine 
wanting to talk to you about something that you did, especially around this time. Oh, thank you. Um, you know, no, I, because at, you know, since there was no internet, I mean, for the most part, I mean, a lot of people don't know about no know about the song. You know, they don't. I mean, for about five to maybe even ten years after nine eleven, on the anniversary, a lot of the radio stations would play it. But um, that I mean, that is the only time they would play it. So it's not like anything that you know was a you know yeah. that went viral. It wasn't in rotation like it was when it happened. Oh no no no! It's it never did that again. It never did that again. So it was you know just to September one, you know. But it was it. I mean, of course, it wasn't on nine eleven day. It was you know that the well the year you know the latter part of two thousand one. And then I did have a DJ. It was very interesting. He said, if you, because it was the song, you know, was also going up the charts, you know, of radio and and billboard and stuff. And um, he said, if you had, if, if January 1st had not come when it did and you had more months in the year 2001, he said, you would have had a number one song. He said, but in January, all the DJs kind of co collectively made the decision, it's time to move on. And so they quit playing it. And it's like, well, I mean, you know, hey, you got to do what you got to do. I mean, you know, Saturday Night Live came back, you know. I mean, it's just, you know, you couldn't grieve forever. And but that's what he told me. And I thought that was very interesting because he said, had it not been for a new year, and us being responsible for really, you know, issuing, you know, a new, you know, a new year and moving forward. And I mean, not that they weren't looking back, but they weren't going to dwell on it anymore. And so uh, January 1, I mean, literally all airplay stopped. It was wild. So, you know, it is what it is. It was it was what it was supposed to be. I believe that. So I don't have any, you know, I don't have any like feelings like, oh, I got rid, you know, gypped or whatever. I mean, I think it was, I think it did exactly what it was supposed to do. And if you, if you did feel that way, like this had a purpose. Thank you. Thank you. That's so sweet. I think it did. I hope it did. You know, I feel good about it so that's why we're here right now having this conversation right right it's so kind that you remembered <laughs> so what are you up to currently what's been going on let's see what do i do now well for starters i am a full-time caregiver my husband has parkinson's and so that keeps me uh pretty much home all the time but i have a nonprofit that i am very involved in it's called Triad Musicians Matter, and we um, we financially aid Triad musicians who lose their income because of an accident and they can't gig, you know, because of accident or sickness or a health problem or a natural disaster, and we can come in and kind of set up some uh, temporary financial aid for them while they're getting back on their feet. And then um, I've also now started a program it's called the guitar resettlement program 
and we are uh, do we donate um, I give guitars to refugees who are resettling in the triad area and so far this just started in February and we've given out like 15 guitars to Afghan refugees who have resettled here and of course you know I see um, Ukraine coming very soon and I have an inventory in my office I'm staring at right now of about 10 12 guitars <laughs> that are that are here waiting for homes and that's been really rewarding and I still you know write and I still record music and I still release music and I still you know pitch songs to artists if I can you know reach them but you know being in North Carolina it's very hard you know to to be you know to be kind of you know on the inside now of pitching which I'm not too concerned about I'm fine you know, I mean, I'm fine. I'll be okay. And like I said, the the nonprofits are so, they bring me so much joy. And um, so that's been a whole lot of fun. And like I said, you know, when you're a songwriter, you're going to write songs, whether you can, whether they get recorded by anybody or just for your own pleasure. I mean, I have to, that's, like I said, that's my outlet, you know? So I just keep doing what I'm doing. I'm literally, I am so thrilled that we are looking at this song now in a positive, as positive as a way we can, and sort of, sort of telling the story behind it, because oh, thank you. it was really lightning in a bottle, and it takes a tragedy sometimes for people to do their best work. Mm. Never thought of it that way, but you're right, you know. Because you're so emotionally charged <laughs> and whatever happens right. just comes out of you. That's true. That's very true. Doctor, what was it? M Mr. Rogers, find the helpers. Maybe all uh, the helpers just, you know, when tragedy strikes. All the helpers. Exactly. Who, who, exactly. Was a songwriter was a helper. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so where can people connect with you? Where can people find you? I mean, you can still hear my music. Um, I had I put out like four, four different records, five different records. Yeah, five records. One, two, three, four, five records. Um, after two thousand one. And so if you tell, you know, Siri or Alexis to play Christy Jackson on Spotify or Pandora, um, you'll hear some of my other music. Um, it's not uh, quite as poignant as Little Did She Know. Some of them are. Some of the, some of those songs are were pretty tough situations I wrote about. But um, and I, like I said, I still write. I still release music. Um, I am on the Internet. I've got feverpitchmusic at gmail.com. I've got, um, or you can do KJ at ChristyJackson.com. And then my websites, of course, are ChristyJackson.com. I still have a website, LittleDidSheKnow.com, that tells the whole history of, I mean, and of how this whole song unraveled and, and unwrapped from when day one, when I wrote it to, you know, Thanksgiving, when I got 400 emails from, from Australia. But um, it's, and then it does have quotes from like radio and it was just, but anyway, so that's all there at little did she know.com. And then Chrissy Jackson.com is my personal um, 
uh, website. And then I have triadmusiciansmatter.org. That is my nonprofit. So, and we do take uh, donations. We take guitars donations. We take monetary donations and we are a 501c3 nonprofit. So if you, if we do get donations, you, you know, you can write it off on your taxes and if you uh, donate a guitar, we send a, a tax receipt for you to fill in and because we'll let you put your own um, value on the guitar that you donated. But I'm actually, I'm staying really busy and I don't know, life's pretty good. I can't complain. It just means the world to me that you were here and I'm so glad we got to meet today and chat. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for asking me. The DJ Bob Show.